This podcast is presented by 323 Entertainment. You can find this show and more wherever you stream podcasts and music. And while you're there, please follow, rate, and review. And if you want to help us continue to grow and get better while also getting exclusive releases and free merch, please support the 323 on Patreon at patreon.com slash 323read. You can subscribe for as little as $2. $2! That's patreon.com slash 323read, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming off of one of the most insane sports weekends in recent memory, really for anyone, in a long time. Not only with an insane NFL weekend, but just an insane, insane World Cup final that is so big, so much happened within this final, within this entire tournament. We are going to be dedicating our talk here during this Sunday hangover to the World Cup and, of course, naturally, Star Wars. But it's all part from a final that was so great that it has us asking the Almighty, is this the greatest thing my eyes will ever witness? Can you answer me? Is this the greatest event that has ever happened to mankind? Well, let me answer, let me answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Thank you, Vin Diesel, for bringing the show in on the Sunday Hangover. The Sunday Hangover, where we are always recovering from the great sports weekend that has just come, this time in the World Cup with the World Cup final. Lionel Messi and Argentina finally getting the championship, getting that monkey off of Messi's back. We can only recap it with the best experts, and that is the return of our Emily Sissel. Emily Sissel asks, what if? And we can have some what if conversations on this World Cup through this. Hi, Emily. Welcome back. Hello. And always great to see this person. You can hear him on Fireside Chats with Big Chief Burrito and Miente Show. Luis Martinez is back on the show from the West Coast. What's up? What's up, Mr. Murphy? What's up, Sissel? Mr. Murphy. Mr. Murphy. I like, oh, even my even my daycare kids don't call me Mr. Murphy. Just- Mr. Murphy, if you're nasty. Yeah, damn right. But before we get into anything, tis the season. It is official. It's officially here. I've been waiting to get to this. Tis the season to bring about one of the best sounds that this show has, one of our favorite things that we love to hear that we were playing all last holiday season, courtesy of the legendary Smokey Robinson. Hey, Marco, how you doing? Surprise, surprise. This is Smokey Robinson. I know you didn't expect to hear from me, 
But I was contacted by your sons, Jeff and Jera. And they wanted me, they told me that you used to live in Detroit across the street from me. And gosh, that's that's beautiful. Um, how are you doing again? <laughs> nice talking to you again, I guess. But anyway, you're living in Vancouver now. And they wanted me to wish you happy Chinooka. I have no idea what Chinooka is, but happy Chinooka <laughs> because they said so. Anyway, God bless you, babe. And enjoy Chinooka. Have a wonderful time. He's such a lovely man because he was very genuine in it. <laughs> Is that from a cameo? Yeah, that's that's Smokey Robinson's uh, Hanukkah cameo to nice. somebody named Michael last year. Happy Chinooka. I, I, I guess at some point he learned, maybe. I played this for my like three students who are Jewish and they could not stop laughing. And then all of my other students were like, what are they talking about? What are they laughing? What's funny? I have no idea what Chinooka is. <laughs> Neither do they. <laughs> oh, no, they do not. <laughs> so happy Chinooka, everybody. Happy Chinooka, one and all, is the season now. It also has been tis the season for football, for soccer, for the World Cup, and it is officially over. So I will just I'll swing it right into you guys. Uh We'll start whoever wants to jump in first. The World Cup, what are your overall thoughts? Argentina's win, Messi, Lionel Richie's son, getting the monkey off of his back. How do we feel? There's so much to unpack emotionally. I mean, I, for one, am very happy to see Messi, you know, finally get a World Cup. And, I mean, this was some of the best playing I've seen him play in many, many years. Uh, I feel like he's kind of like started to, you know, get old <laughs> the past several years, but it really felt like he genuinely wanted it. But also at the same time, there was so many matches that just felt like such terrible calling, like I've never seen before in a World Cup. Um, so I'm really glad that we got to see Argentina win I'm glad we got to see a France Argentina game two of the best teams you know in the world but also at the same time would they have been the two at the end if it had not been in Qatar I really enjoyed uh just I mean I I I sent you that clip right now that that even though I'm not necessarily like the biggest Argentina fan really did get me emotional it was uh Jorge Cantor the the guy who does the games in Spanish uh, who's from Argentina, and he was calling the final penalty, <clears throat> and um, and it was really emotional. And so I, I'm really happy for the people of Argentina. You know, I, I told you guys last time I grew up around. Uh, my father was a tango musician, so I grew up ar around a lot of Uruguayans and a ton of Argentinians. Um, so I know how passionate they are. Uh, we might not always uh, agree uh, in terms of like you know. Latin American color politics dynamics and stuff like that. You know, they do have some sketchy background in that area that, that, that we won't get into, uh, you know, because they say, you know, we're from the boats, not from the jungle, basically. Um, but, but seeing and hearing that emotion and him calling the final goal, you know, you know, Messi and, and I love petty Messi because usually you think about Messi as this like stand up classy football player and stuff like that. But, you know, him doing like the ears and, him really getting into it with like the Netherlands coach and really like talking a lot of trash this year and, and really just, just not giving an F really across the board um, 
well-deserved, you know, because the GOAT conversation is there and he basically just shut the door on it. He's like, yeah, it's me. Just the emotion, you know? Right. I mean, the tears in his eyes. Him grabbing the other guy. Spit flying everywhere. I've heard that like probably a dozen times, and every time I was just, you know, like a little choked up, I was like, oh, oh. Set on my keys. And this this is the first <laughs> World Cup win for South America since '86, right? Well, Brazil for Brazil. Brazil. Oh, that's yeah. right, Brazil. It was their first win in 36 years for for Argentina. Yeah, that's what. It, okay, I don't know why I thought South America. <laughs> no, and I'll, and I'll I'll second that on the emotion of it all because even me as just a you know the dirty casual uh, <laughs> World Cup viewer for this uh even i found myself getting kind of swept up in the emotion yeah. right there at the end i've found like i you know wasn't fully teary-eyed but seeing the reactions of who was who was the final uh who was the final score who was the uh i can't remember it wasn't even like a big one of their big players right. no, it was uh, yeah. one of their defense players i think yeah it was one of the defenders it was like number six or something yeah, yeah. like seeing him get caught up in that moment like he's rips his shirt off to do the full celebration and then it seems like everything just hit him all at and once and he just and started just sobbing, sobbing into his shirt the team is sobbing in just different areas of the field like it was it was incredible <laughs> to see and messi just running around smiling and just over the moon for it it was it's an incredible moment an incredible moment and the energy the aura of that stadium and all those fans in there I mean, losing even the, their shit. Even the French players were happy for them. I yeah. mean, like you could like see that they were disappointed because they did not win, but they were also I think they were all really happy to see Messi finally win. A lot of them have played with Messi on various teams. And, and yeah, and Mbappe Mbappe's his teammate on Paris Saint Germain. You yeah, know, he, they're, right. they're 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 teammates. And um and it was funny when after that last goal because he goes to take his shirt off. He walks off and the emotion hits him and he just drops. And then there were two groups. There were the team. There was the ones that were at the, in the middle of the field for the penalty kick. And they just all dropped to the floor right there. And then the rest of the players that were on the bench, they all ran to the guy who scored the goal. So they were like broken up into two little parts. And you would expect them to be like running, like running around, like when you win in FIFA, you know, <laughs> you expect them to be running around. And they're just like after 120 minutes and 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 and, a, and seven full games, it was like they were just they were just done. They were tired. It was it was a beautiful moment. I'm glad you brought up Mbappe because not only not only was this final great for the emotion and the passion and this this storybook ending ish 
for Messi, as he's said that he was saying today, and it's kind of hard to ask somebody in the, you know, the heat of the moment and right after these victories, what they're going to do. He says that he's not retired from international play. Well, I never believed he was retired from international play, but he will not play another world cup. Yeah, He doesn't, he doesn't seem to think so yet, but you, but again, that's when you just win. I mean, it's asking somebody like right after a Super Bowl or anything that you could ask Brady yeah. after that and shit, you're feeling like you're going to keep going, but uh, going to the other side in France, this is a game that was just, it was honestly, uh, I won't say boring <laughs> during no, the first was, half. It, it was, there was boring the first like, I guess, half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, we were staring at our phones for a long time. And then all of a sudden I look up, we saw the penalty. And then next thing you know, we have just this bazooka shot from Mbappe to tie it up. And I was like, holy shit, wait a minute. Now it's 2-2. Even the penalty, <laughs> that goalkeeper had gotten a hand on, but he hit it so hard. Yeah. That goalkeeper's wrist could not block it. Just go. Mbappe is so cool. He's 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 just ice in his veins through this. He was carrying the team on his back. To he's get the victory. only reason they did not like it. Like, is that is he carried France. <laughs> that in a World Cup final, is that one of the greatest performances that you've seen? From Mbappe? From from anybody in a World Cup. Uh I I would yeah. say final, yeah. but even but any match in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um a hat trick in a championship game, and he hit a and he and he hit the first penalty PK, you know, so technically four goals in the game, uh, with his team down two nothing. The first Argentina penalty I didn't think was a penalty. The second Argentina goal was one of the best that like somebody said, it's like, it was like a show, uh, like a Showtime Lakers, like Reed missed a lot of the, Reed missed a lot of the first half. And like, even him as a dirty casual, when they finally did the replay during halftime, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. He was like, Oh wow. That was clean. That was real good. It was just smooth. (laughs) Yeah. It just, just drifted. Yeah. The the second Argentina goal was a thing of beauty. Just, it was just touch, 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 boom. Perfect passes. Mm -hmm. The fact that France had been sick all week, they had they had players, they had to make quick substitutions, and then Mbappe puts the team on his back. The first penalty, no question. The second shot, a thing of beauty, just hits it on the way down, smashes it. Third penalty, doesn't even flinch. Looks like he's just going in the self-checkout line at Walmart <laughs> or something. He's just, he could have been like, just taking a stroll in the park like oh yeah okay boom here you go break your wrist like like you said um it was incredible and then the fact that argentina goes up in overtime and you know it's a two nothing tie the game then france is like you know Argentina gets the goal. And then they were so like both teams in the last minute had a chance to win the oh game. Oh my god, there were yeah. so many good shots. They were putting everything in. Yeah, and the Argentinian goalie is not a good game time goalie. He allowed like the most goals per shots, I think, in the in the tournament. Yeah. But he is he's got balls of steel for PKs. 
Oh, he he's so cocky. He plays the mental game. He's yeah. He's so cocky. He's a psycho. He got a yellow card because he was kicking the ball away. Yeah. The, that, the fucking dance moves and shimmies after yeah. different saves. No, no, not even after. Before they happen, right. he's like in there dancing. I'm like, what? Like he's in, you're, yeah. you said the mental, it's the mental aspect. He's getting right in their heads. He in, um... You know, I'm Uruguay first, Colombia second in terms of our allegiance to soccer. But Argentina and Colombia in, um, I think it was the Copa America this past year, they went to PKs and um, and 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 he had done a lot of that stuff against some of the Colombian players that missed. And he was like mocking their dancing and stuff like that. It was the thing where you see like the meme from Messi where he's like, like he was telling this guy like that had danced before. It's like dance now because, you know, you missed a shot and stuff like that. So. So he even said it himself. That's why he was doing the mocking thing when he had the the the, the glove thing because he's not really that that good a goalie like for in game shots. But he 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 saved the one with his leg with like one minute left, and in PKs he did what he had to do. It it was just it was an incredible performance. Even after after the game, that goalie. The celebration with the the the, the <laughs> remarkable balls to <laughs> uh, be doing that not just not just doing that on you know world stage but right in front of Qatari officials <laughs> the the highest officials right in right behind him in, in the picture and ruining it for because Qatar really wanted those stills that's why they were marching Messi out themselves they were trying to be in all the pictures with him the government officials they were trying to make themselves look good yeah, yeah. they were trying to make themselves look good and what is the picture that had one of the biggest takeaways his <laughs> homeboy <him>. hun- <laughs> using the trophy as his dick basically so <laughs> oh i like it i like him it's <laughs> the locker room celebration holy shit too I don't know where they uh, got the alcohol, but uh, they might have wanted yeah. to post that Are you after. Kidding me? There is I'm, plenty I'm, of alcohol well, in Qatar. They just yeah. hide it. Yeah, they weren't hiding it. Then. <laughs> I think to your, I think to your question, like, um, which is, is it the base? Is it the best sporting event of all time? Like I've seen, I was young enough to remember um as i age myself again like um like game six of the like uh world series in 1986 with the mets and the red Sox. you know the ball goes between buckner's legs Mm -hmm. i've seen you know mike tyson fights i've seen slugfest like uh, incredible boxing matches um Mm -hmm. wrestlemania andre the giant versus hulk hogan mcgregor mayweather i I remember that mayweather (laughs) um I remember like the Bills Giants Super Bowl, like game winning kicks, the Patriots Super Bowl, you know, like stuff like that, like huge tennis matches. But it, 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 I think it, I don't know if I can like, I think the, 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 the recency bias might make people rated higher than it is, but it's definitely for me a top five sporting event that I've ever witnessed in my life. I would also argue, argue the U.S. women's national team with Hope Solo. Coming in, I was going to say, like, yeah. Was that the one against? Yeah. Was that against the final against Japan? It was the final. I can't remember who it was against. That was a great. It was yeah, that's a memorable, an incredible, memorable World Cup. I think for me event. personally, I would put that at number one. 
Yeah, I, I personally would put that at number one and one, this at number two. Once the recency bias wears off a little bit, this is definitely a top five that we're going to have to well, like, attack. It, well, like it was really, really good, like like the second part of the second half on. Right. So like about half, less than half of the game was really great, but my God, it was boring that first half and bit of the... France didn't want it. None of them want Mbappe was up there like you're giving me nothing. You're literally giving me nothing to go off of. Well, again, and he just and I think that that's part of the greatness in his performance is how he turned up to another level because we were talking while watching it mm-hmm. that I believe Morocco kind of put out a blueprint on they did. how to stop him or at least how to shut him down for a bit and you, you just have to figure out a way to attack the rest. Argentina was able to do that until Mbappe just—he's got that gene. Go past he's got it. that. He's got that, su- he that super. Yeah, yes, that superstar gene, that clutch gene, and he adjusted and blew up. But can we shout out Morocco number seven, their defenseman who was shutting down Mbappe all day long? Because that was incredible. I mean, there was a reason that Mbappe switched jerseys and was happily wearing that guy's jersey after that game. Mm-hmm. It's nothing but respect. So. Before we get into the rest of the cup and other performances, our team's performances, uh, just sticking to the final and closing it out, it's a two-part question, really. Uh, One, now that Messi has the championship, the Messi-Ronaldo debate that's been dead. I mean, mean, people wanted it to come into the final. It's been dead once since getting into the round of 16, I would imagine. Uh, But now... The talk and the argument is, is Messi now officially soccer's GOAT? Is he the greatest of all time? The greatest footballer of all time? And I'll add the two-part with that. Is Mbappe on his way to becoming the GOAT and surpassing both Messi and Pele, Maradona, whoever you were going to put into that conversation? Yes and yes. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I mean, Mbappe eventually will easily be the greatest of all time, beating out all of them. I mean, you look at what he's doing at 23 compared to all of them. He's beating them easily. That's that's what's, like, <laughs> that's what's insane to me. It blows my mind that he's only 23. The the GOAT debates for me are always are, are almost, always twofold, you know, because I always say, for example, like, like you can compare it like – like you, Le- LeBron versus Jordan and, and Kobe, right? You could say um, nobody was better in that six to eight year span than Jordan was. But if you look at the longevity of a career, you can then sort of give some play to LeBron. You can give some play to Kobe because of what their career meant. For me in soccer, Pele was always the GOAT over Same. Maradona. Same. But Maradona had a brighter peak. So when Maradona was Maradona and from like 84 to 88, 89, up to 90 when defenses in the 90 World Cup just centered strictly on stopping Argentina and stopping him, um, his peak burned brighter than Pelé. Pelé was just sustained greatness for multiple World Cups. Um, So that's kind of where I always was. Messi has it both. His peak, his record in, you know, UEFA Cups at Barcelona – his story, his size, you know, for all the short kings. 
Um, his <laughs> and and now having won Copa Americas, sustained, and now not only that he won a World Cup, but he was the main guy still at this age in the World Cup. Um, and he was the most goal scored. He the best passes. He found that petty Messi that I love. Um, you know, just the disrespect that they showed to the Netherlands was just <laughs> beyond me. That he that he won the game and against the Netherlands, and the first thing he thought about was to walk up to the coach of the Netherlands and get in his face to talk shit about something that he had said about him like earlier. <laughs> um, so for me, yeah, from for me, it closes the door on the current goat. But like you said, at 23 with a World Cup in your pocket, scoring three goals, scoring a hat trick in the World Championship and losing, and having another 15 years with that French squad that keeps rebuilding and adding all these players, you know. And of course, the the issue with the, in France, they wish their their French team looked a little more French, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we so, keep saying, the African nation of France. Mm-hmm. The African nation of France. They're like, oh, the African dream is still alive. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and we should talk a little bit about that dynamic. But for me, that that he's he, the only other player that's 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 out. Uh, Ronaldo's going. He's he, is going to Saudi Arabia to play for like two hundred twenty million for the next two years. Neymar gets hurt every two plays. Um, you know, there's no other player except Mbappe right now that we know of that has a chance to be in the discussion. So Messi closed the book, but Mbappe put his little bookmark in there, like just give, give me, me a f- couple more, give, give me, me a, a few couple years. more World Cup cycles. <laughs> if he goes like if he leaves, uh, I think he has to leave Paris Saint Germain. Um and why wouldn't you want to leave? You don't want to be teammates with Messi still after he just beat you. I think he has to go and, and do his own thing, uh, win some UEFA Cups, come back for another French team. If he wins another cup, if he wins two more cups for France, you know, at age 23, sky's the limit for him. I think that he could he could have – we're going to have this conversation again. Shit, fuck it. Why not just come to enter Miami with Messi? Why no. in the dream? No, 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 no. It's like no, that no. meme of uh, the, no, no, no. the American ref telling Messi – uh, you're gonna uh, love Fort Lauderdale. He he would do well at Bayern. He would do well somewhere in La Liga. Um, I'm sure he would blow everybody's minds up in Premier League. I would. I'm. I like Bayern a lot. I would love to see him at Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> Mbappe in the yeah in the in yeah in on like Manchester or Liverpool uh, or if he man, went, probably he'd, he'd probably go to he'd probably go to City. No, but if he went to Man U, I'm going to cry. <laughs> that's my team. <laughs> I love Bayern just because, you know, that's we grew. I grew up near Munich, so I, I grew up hearing about Bayern, but my, my first team that I always supported, other than, you know, national being Mexico, I always supported uh, Man U. So I, I would legitimately cry if he went there because I was, like, crying tears of sadness when they took Ronaldo, and I was like, no, I hate him. Please don't. Do not return. <sighs> uh, there's plenty to look forward to with the future now that this is all wrapped up. I mean, we're only the countdown's on. The countdown is on to 2026. Not in just North America. That. They have an Olympics oh, between yeah, that. The, yeah, the Olympics. But I mean, the excitement's already begun. 
mm-hmm. for the North American for the hosting around here. I mean, it's already you already have the, the the we're next. Yeah, the we're next going on. There's the you better call it soccer here. It's for our culture, and I'm like, you know, it's also in Mexico, Canada, who call it football. But well, not Canada, but Mexico calls it football. You got rumors of the Cowboy Stadium being what's going to be the host stadium for the final. Probably. Yeah. So it's It'd all the be time. That or the new Club America Stadium. We're already. We can never help ourselves but look ahead. Plus, just months down the road with the Women's World Cup. And that coverage will be hidden here. And U.S. will be. I'm. I've. It's. It's gonna suck because I'm sure media coverage is not gonna be the same, but should be because especially here we're going to dom. We should dominate. Well, hopefully. 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 The the thing is, the women's league is getting significantly more competitive every single year, because Europe and Mexico in particular are creating a whole lot more opportunities for female soccer players to do great. So the coverage will not be the same, but you also got to remember the last FIFA World Cup, the coverage was actually pretty decent. Um, They were definitely really focusing on it. They paired off uh, with Lizzo because she had just released her album Truth Hurts and they had like a girl playing all the time and me being the biggest Lizzo fan. I should have. It it kind of. Love love me some Lizzo. See? I found a fan, fan too. Kind of blew me away that Mm. you managed to sneak a Lizzo reference in there. (laughs) Because it was. It's not my type of music usually, but she's she's down for the big girls and the big guys. So I always got amazing. She's down for everybody. Uh, No, but she she had the song Like a Girl, which is all about doing things like a girl because we're badasses. And they had the entire. Like all of these famous female soccer players singing it. They had all the broadcasters singing it. It was a really cute video that went super, super viral. So they have a lot of opportunity to make it huge. And I will say I've definitely seen a lot of promotion from like ESPN and Fox for the Women's World Cup that like, hey, you had fun with this. Well, you know, wait six months. You're going to have another one. So while the Women's World Cup, you got uh, Copa America 2024, mm-hmm. and you got the the Olympics, and then and then and then we got to look forward to 48 teams next year. I thought it was That's 42. It's 48. 48. Mm-hmm. 48. Okay. I it was and so 42. so he, he, here's the numbers. So you just to get it. Um, so the biggest beneficiary is Asia and Africa, who are going from four to nine teams. So Asia is going wow. from four to nine and i think africa is going from from like five to nine as well um south america is going from four and a half and what that means is four go directly and one of them had to go play a a a wild card game against oceania new zealand australia them so instead of four from south america there's going to be six from south america and um europe is going from 16 from 13 to 16 so that's going to be you're going to go from 64 games to 100 plus 104. Uh, so we just had a World Cup of 64 games and it was draining. And we're going to have 100. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go to 100. And so it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that thing. Oh, we heard we heard you like soccer, dog. All right. Well, here's, Imagine here's the more si- soccer. Here's 40 extra games. Imagine the size of my sticker book for that. Oh, it's going to be insane. Uh, Is what do you all see this as a? pro are you looking forward to the expansion yeah the expansion the expansion will be better for the because i know you can always have arguments with these things even with like the college football playoff they want to expand from four to 12 teams 
people are losing yeah. their shit. This is jumping. I mean, you're getting to 48 teams. What you just said, 40 more games. It dilutes a little bit of the classification, and I think that's more of like regional regional interest because the qualifiers are tough. Because if you're an African nation, we only have four African nations that that that, that participated, right? So you have like you have, 54 and, uh, countries. Exactly, and and we talked about it last time, which is like four teams from South America. And then what, what's the 15? Colombia would have been in, you know, Peru, you know, would have been in, or Ecuador, like another team Chile. would have been in. So, yeah, yeah Chile. So there's, there's always one or two good South American teams that get left out. Um, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada do not have to go through qualifiers. So there's no chance that the U.S., Canada, or Mexico can 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 go out, which means that that's more spaces for Jamaica for the other the other teams nicaragua those countries guatemala, smaller countries yeah. guatemala to, to get in um so i think for the game even though you might want to see it's a, tra- a traditionalist hey the 1930 world cup and 1950 world cup had like 12 teams so it's gonna it's gonna happen you know you, you're not and it's money so it's not gonna there's no way to do it so i think that even though it'll dilute the process leading up to the world cup the fact that we get 40 extra games in three countries um i'm already gonna hit the gym because i want to be in good enough shape (laughs) to go i want to be able to go watch you know uruguay or mexico or colombia somewhere even if i have to fly to dc or fly to dallas or you know somewhere i want to go watch some games and if you want to argue about it in terms of like people are getting pissed off about like there's so many more games or whatever if you little bit of geography and history lesson for all of you. Uh, if you'd been around from before 1991, there's a little place called the USSR or the Soviet Union, which contained 14 or 15, 15 different countries. Uh, they're now 15 different countries. Before they were one giant country. You can look at Europe, which at one point was a big mishbob of, you know, you had Yugoslavia at one, sh- one point, which are now like four or five different countries. Germany was split up. Um, you know, if you're looking at Africa, you can just look at colonialism. Most of those countries and nations did not exist. Instead, they were just being controlled and run by the Dutch and by Belgium and England and portuguese and all those different people um you can make the same arguments for south america for asia the world depending on who you talk to and what you define as a country has 199 to 211 different countries and it's always increasing and adding more you can look at south sudan versus sudan and soccer is huge in both of those nations So Africa having more of this opportunity, same with Asia, same with the South American teams. I'm here all for it. And if you got a problem with it, yell at the history books because there's a lot more countries than there used to be. So suck it up, bitch. Take it up with the colonizers. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's probably you old white men complaining. Shout out old white men. (laughs) Shout out old white. I'm going to let the dog out. Give me two seconds. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't worry, we have old white men to get. <laughs> Over a billion, two hundred, a trillion, two hundred billion dollars. <laughs> now that we've broken into controversial, uh, scary words like colonizers and <coughs> all these things. Yugoslavia, think, USSR. Look, I, 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 <laughs> did 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 it? When I saw Spain get knocked out, and they had shots of the crowd of little Spanish children crying. 
in the stands, did I get a little bit of, you know, like, was I, oh, you know, hey. <laughs> was I like, hey, cry, cry colonizers. Yes, a little bit. When England got... I'm not going to lie, oh, a little bit. I was all for England getting oh, eliminated. Yeah. Same with oh, Spain. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't, I'm, I'm all right with it. People England, talk about but... the U.S.-Mexico rivalry, but I got to, like, as a, US, as a Mexico national team fan, you always have been, family coming from there. I think the biggest rivalry for the U.S. is actually England. I mean that rivalry's been happening since 1776. Well, I mean, if you want, if you want to talk shit to England, everything we've never lost to them in the World Cup. At least that we have beef with Mexico. We can actually have no, competitive no, no. not matches just the World Cup. Them. We have never lost to England. We've Reed. never lost to England. We have never, we've lost, never to lost to England. England. In fact, we've taken we've taken from England. John Oliver. One of our best late night hosts. He doesn't even talk go. to them. We we got him. That was That's the ours. war of eighteen twelve. Yeah. They do, tried to attack the... us back. We ended it. Out of here, England. <laughs> where, where where do all their best actors end up? U.S. Right. playing Americans. Yeah. And you know what? Same with Canada. I'm right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, look. I I think one of the things that 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 struck me about just the final and stuff like that, and and there's this meme going around of basically that they're talking about Latin American Latin Americans and. Oh, whoever's if there's a Latin American country that's that's in the final, all Latinos are, are rooting for it. And to a certain degree, that's true. <laughs> to a certain degree, that's true. Yeah. I call the Argentinians the vanilla the vanilla beaners. Uh, mm. because <laughs> wow. because as because you can't oh you can you can love them and you can <laughs> say they're part of Latin America, but you can't overlook the fact that a big that a percentage of the of the Argentinian culture is based on that phrase which is nosotros somos de los barcos ustedes son de la selva which means we're from the boats which means our people came here from the boats they consider themselves they consider themselves displaced Europeans they consider themselves Latin American but they they literally have a saying that says you guys Mexicans are from the jungle or Mexicans are from uh, the Peruvians are from the Incas Mexicans come from the Aztecs. Brazilians come from the from the from the jungles. We come from the boats. So they always have felt a little bit superior to the rest of Latin America, which is yeah, because, they do. And, and and you can tell that by their soccer team. Even the Uruguayans, which are lily white, have several African American players on their team. There are zero in Argentina. That's because in Argentina, the black genocide was tremendous in as much as they killed tons of indigenous people to maintain that. So even though, yes, we ride for South America and I am happy and I know tons of great Argentinian people, it still wasn't as slam dunk as, it's almost as if the roles were reversed where people were saying the more European team was Argentina and the, and, and the France team was more representative of Africa. It was. And even like even like their Spanish is a little more like from Spain. Like it feel it's always a little more formal when they speak. And I even the people that I that I've met from Argentina I mean like great people, but they definitely have a little bit more of a snootiness to them. Um yeah. it, it, it's this, there. It's there. <laughs> the my dad used to tell this joke and it was and and it's basically that the best business in the world is is basically um actually i won't say it but basically the argentinians do feel that they are above <laughs> other people it, it's it's basically re, 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 it revolves around how they how much all right I'll, this is a better one there's a scared money don't make money louise 
Uh, no, it's basically <laughs> I, I don't I don't care. And I, and I like I said, I grew up around tons of Argentinians, and and I would tell them this to their face: the best business in the world was buying Argentinians for what they're worth and selling them for what they think they're worth. <laughs> <laughs> and then the. <laughs> And the other one was that my dad would say there was this Argentinian guy and he was on a date. He's on a date with this girl and he hugs her and 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 she starts and she says uh, and she starts to get emotional and she's like, oh, oh, my God. And he's like, no, no, you can just call me Carlos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they are very full of themselves in a certain degree. So so we were riding with them. I was happy. I watched that video of uh, Jorge Cantor getting an emotional and I got emotional. I thought about my dad. The Argentinian and the Uruguayan culture are very closely linked together. Um, but we can't, but we at least have to bring up the fact that that amongst the South American Latino Latinx communities, there is still this sort of colorism, racial imbalance that still is present. So it's very, you know, very much there. It's it's hella there. Tenequeta talked about it a lot with Wakanda Forever, about not just him being Mexican, but him being it, like an Aztec Mexican being a dark Mexican and not a vanilla beaner. Yeah, if you watch Mexican Me. TV, you would think they were all lily white. Me. Got real no. scared. Got real scared trying to say that, Emily. Yeah, I'm okay you with can't it. Be scared. I am. I I, I tell I Louise, know. we can't be scared on this show. We literally killed Mike no. Leach less than well, like yeah, about a week you know ago. That? We killed Mike Leach on the show. Did you know that, Luis? I sent how did you, how did you do that? I made a joke about him going to heaven and he died two days later. Because <laughs> wow. one because one of our favorite we we love to we love to use his cough. Uh, we like to use that uh, he, he coughs a lot, so we like to use that and we made a joke and then he died. Because he'd been in the hospital. Us. Yeah, and people blamed us that he died. It's Look, the, Ar the Argentinians are too busy celebrating for the next 10 days. They're not going to be listening to podcasts. Hey, if I can't get Anna shit. Taylor Joe, if I can't get Anna Taylor Joe now on a movie because I said something about Argentinians, what am I going to do? They can't. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. But as, right. as we're talking, uh, you know, about the controversies and impact from this World Cup, and we'll talk about it both about your thoughts as a whole on this World Cup everything that's gone into it from great moments from your teams and how they performed or didn't perform will maybe need to, how they'll need to perform better come up in, you know, four years. And I know you wanted to talk about the, you know, put a, put a, a, a bookend on the controversy of what went into all of this in Qatar, Luis. So I'll start with you, just your, your final thoughts on this World Cup in Qatar. All right, I'll I'll, I'll start with Uruguay, obviously, because I I picked them to win, and um and I and I did talk about the fact that it was an old guard being the new guard, and it was a very emotional ride for me. Like I said, it was the first World Cup that I was watching soccer without my dad. We got a win, a loss, and a draw, and we were talking earlier about the two nothing lead being the most dangerous lead in sports. They were up two nothing against um, Ghana, Ghana, who. Luis Suarez at the Africa World Cup had, you know, taken the ball out of the goal and famous. He got the red card. So the, the Ghana people were actually putting up billboards all over the country. They were they, they just wanted to beat Uruguay so bad. And they were celebrating just because of the fact that they only lost two nothing instead of three nothing. And 
I've tried and I've and I've tried to sort of and 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 it was a bad way to go out. Like I, as soon as uh, because uh, Uruguay was winning two nothing against Ghana, South Korea and Portugal were tied, and the only thing that Portugal had to do was not lose against South Korea, and we would have been in. They scored a goal in the last second, and there was all these shots of Luis Suarez crying in the stands and 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 stuff like that. But in the game against Portugal, and this is one of the biggest issues that I have with the with the World Cup. We talked about the controversy. We talked about the, the hundreds of people that died in constructions. We talked, I mean, there was even the Amer American journalist that tried to use the rainbow shirt that died mysteriously. Like all this crazy stuff happened. Yep. Grant Wall. But it was the it was the inconsistency inconsistency of the referees because FIFA long ago did a ruling that said if if you're in the process of, of like putting your hand down or or affirming yourself because you're falling and the ball hits you. It's not a it's not a handball. It's not a penalty kick. And excuse me, specifically what happened in the Portugal game. One of the Uruguay players was falling backwards. The ball went between his legs. It hit his hand. They go to the VAR and they call it a penalty. So that was just a very egregious for me. Lack of consistency in the refereeing. You know, um, South Korea then goes and plays Brazil and loses like seven nothing. So in my mind, well. You know, I think maybe Uruguay with a better defense would have probably had a better chance against Brazil, who then lost, right? So for me, it was disappointing to go out that way. Was Uruguay better than France or Argentina? Absolutely not. So, you know, if, in the end, if you're not going to win the championship, what's the big deal about it, right? So from a team standpoint, from a fan standpoint, um, Uruguay had a great defense, but they didn't know how to transition from defense to offense. They would, they would, They would win the ball back then they would immediately give it away. And then they would be back on defense again. Then they would win the ball back and they would mess up. And then so, and they were, and they had one of the best midfielders in the world who plays for uh, Real Madrid, who scores all the time. And they had him playing in the back instead of up front. So comes down to coaching. The other aspect is FIFA, you know, were they a little bit against a country with only 3 million viewers that maybe is not going to make as much money as another country with like 30 million people? There's always the conspiracy theory. So as a fan, I was disappointed, but I got over it and I understand that it's a, it's a business and that so the, but, but the biggest as a fan is I think the inconsistencies in the ref and in VAR and in having all this technology and not really using it, consistently and adequately is the thing that's 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 annoying to me uh you had that ball that clearly crossed over the line in japan where it was like all the way over the line the ball crosses the line but the shadow of the ball is still on the line and they're like no 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 the ball crossed the line it rolled over the line but the little part of the ball was still there so that stays in so all those things sort of were negatives the positives was all the exciting games all the other stuff uh, and all the and then the controversy, the the U.S. reporter that was not only trying to walk watching walking with a rainbow shirt, but also had a Substack when he was reporting on all the deaths and stuff like that. So, Qatar mm -hmm. paid a lot of money. They bribed a lot of people. They got what they wanted. You know, they did a great job despite all the shit in in hosting the cup. It was one of the best World Cups in history, despite all the things that are stacked against us. And, you know, that's just like I said before, the, the hypocrisy of being a fan is that you have to know these things in your head and you have to sort of come to an understanding about it so that you can sit here with friends and talk about it and still enjoy it and enjoy the process. So what I hope to see in the future is 
more consistency from what the technology of the game is, what VAR is, and more consistency from the referees and how they call certain things. The other thing that I'd love to see is the clock that ends at zero. Because, you know, one of the things that they started doing is, you know, the first couple of games, they was like, okay, end of the first half, 12 extra minutes. Oh, my God, like, yeah. No. And, and, and if you're going to say that every time, then just start the clock at 45 and stop it when the ball goes out of bounds. Stop it when somebody gets hurt. Stop the clock. Anytime the, the, the ref goes like this, just stop the clock. That way you don't have to have this arbitrary thing. And the clock, like all sporting begins, ends at zero. Oh, sorry. My Apple music. So those are the things for me as a fan of Uruguay. You know, uh, I, I really hope that once now that Cavani and Suarez are not going to be part of the main team anymore, that they'll have a shot to bring in some more youth. And and I think that they I, I think I'm, I'm calling my shot. I think they're going to win the Copa America in 2024. Um, as a fan of soccer, I just hope these inconsistencies help. I'm excited about 2026. I'm excited about going to see a World Cup match for the first time in my life in person. I didn't get a chance to in 1994 when the World Cup was here. Um, so those are the things that that that, I, that I'm the most excited about. And uh, I think, and and, the, and in terms of the controversy, um, I I do feel that that unfortunately it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna pass. Right? They built all these stadiums. They made all this money. They got their pictures taken with Messi and all these players. Was that all worth it? And does the spotlight that got put on the country help alleviate and change some of those things? You know, and and what are they going to do with these stadiums now? Yeah, just start to tear them down. I think they already started the process of tearing down one of the uh, one of the smaller ones from the uh, beginning rounds. It's just, and it it just ends up becoming like a waste, a waste of life. I can a waste tell of life that went into that. I can tell you right now, nothing's going to happen because it's going to be the same thing that happens time and time again with Saudi Arabia, with Dubai, with United Arab Emirates. It's, it's the same thing. People pretend like they care and they're going to catch the light and then it's going to disappear and it's just going to be another history and geography lesson for me. And I'm just going to have to like silently sob as I teach it every time and see no possible change. Yeah. Cause something's going to happen. <laughs> something's going to happen. Like Elon, Elon Musk like, and Elon Musk and Kanye West will be on like the same interview together and it'll, you know, it'll be gone. Everything Elon and, and, and Kurt uh, Kirshner were at the game, right? Yeah. 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 Future Twitter CEO, Jared Kushner was <laughs> sitting right there with Elon watching the game yeah trying to slap trying to sell some some trump cards (laughs) emily your thoughts on the world cup in mexico um i mean it was really heartbreaking for me in the same way that it had happened for uruguay and that like for mexico it was a point differential that kept us from moving on uh and i think what really hurt me for that point differential is the fact that in that last game there should have been so many more goals that Mexico had. I mean, they scored so many goals and it was really ticking me off about how they just kept calling things offsides and they were so inconsistent with the offsides. Like now they have this technology with the graphic and stuff like that, but then they call something like a hand, like literally your hand being in front of somebody offsides, but none of the rest of your body is. And I really... Like for me, it'd be great to see like the 45 counting down to zero and, you know, the consistency in refing. And I also would love to see them just 
now that the technology for offsides has gotten so, so good that we should tweak the offsides rule and we should make it much more specific. Like it should not just be any part of your body and your offsides. Well, I can't control my freaking fingertip from going past. Like, honestly, that's ridiculous. And maybe it should be your whole upper body, your whole lower body, because that's what's putting the real advantage, not my hand. Um, so I was getting so pissed off because Mexico kept scoring and scoring and scoring and nothing was counting. And some of them were definitely obviously offsides, but there were like two that definitely were not offsides. There were a few very clear penalties within the box, like very clear penalties that we should have had PK kicks. Um, so I know like for me as a Mexico fan and especially for the national team, you could just see it on their faces. Like they just felt so devastated and like they really were doing all that they could in that game. And they just, it was off by that point differential to where they could not move on for the first time in fricking years. They did not move on to the round of 16. Um, for Girl, same. Yeah. <laughs> for the, I mean, seriously, when I watched the Uruguay, I when, when I watched that Uruguay match next, I was like, I was rooting for Uruguay because of you, but also because I have a student who's from Uruguay. And oh my God, you should just see her face light up when she talks about the national team. Her whole family's yeah. from there. She was born there, loves it. And I was really rooting for them. And I was like, well, shit, the same thing's happening to them that just happened to us the other day. And I was like, man, they really just freaking hate the natives <laughs> right now. That's all I could think. Um, and then in terms of the future for the Mexico team, it's up in the air. So a lot of people did not realize this. It's Ochoa's fifth World Cup as well. Everybody was talking about Ronaldo and Messi, but not, in my personal opinion, the goat of goalkeepers, Ochoa, because I love him. He's amazing. Uh, and that was his fifth World Cup. He definitely could do another. There's been older goalkeepers in World Cups before, so he could do another. I think he's a little conflicted. He has not come out saying one way or the other, and you could see it on his face that he was definitely trying to take it in, but that he still wasn't sure because I think he would not want to go out that in that way. And it would be great to see his last World Cup be at you know the home field advantage. Him playing in Mexico and in Canada and in the in the U.S. and the fact that he doesn't have to qualify that they're automatically yeah. in. They don't have to go to a, they don't have to go through a like, grueling qualifier. I think I I think that should be his last World Cup. I think he should do a six one because there again he's not crazy old. Um, I think by that World Cup he'd only be 39, 38 or thirty nine. I don't think he'd even be forty by that point. So he definitely could do it. Um, we were really missing Chicharito. Uh, we were really missing a striker up there. I mean, Martin is great. Vega is great. And I, lo I love them. I adore them. But they are not a Chicharito. They are not an Mbappe, right? Like, they're uh, not. <laughs> but how they were playing that the last 20 minutes of oh, that yeah. game is how they should play all the time. Every time. And so I think as much as I love Tata, uh, It'll be nice to get a new coach in there. Maybe they can do something about it. I don't know if it was his coaching necessarily or not. Um, we'll definitely see once they get a new one in. 
So again, uh, the, for the Mexico team, it, it's a lot in the air right now. It's not necessarily looking at youth, but if you're looking at the youth uh, national teams, the U17, the U23 teams, they're eating everybody up around the world. They've been crushing it and winning tons and tons of games. So there's a lot of crazy talented Mexicans out there like there are every year. Um, again, as for the rest of the World Cup, what was really, really bothering me was the offsides and the inconsistency with the offsides. And I think there needs to be a change in how they denote what an offsides is. I Thank you. I personally... <laughs> No, don't even. As someone no, who, no, hasn't, no, 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 who no. hasn't known what an offsides is for years, I've been like Ted Lasso trying to figure this <laughs> out. And now I go into this. I was like, that's an offsides. And somebody would say, it was like, yeah, it should be. And I was like, what do you mean do it you should like be? The, <laughs> do, you like, do you like how the offside rules are in hockey? Do I? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. He doesn't I don't know, know hockey. hockey. <laughs> well, the, you know, I don't either. <laughs> because in hockey, it's a line. Uh-huh. It's just it's a it's just a line. The pl- the pl- the puck has to has to cross the line first. Um, so they they've talked before about eliminating offsides, and yeah, they say well you could just have somebody standing in front of the goal yeah. on the other end, but then that opens up the field. So does 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 eliminating offside fix anything? Does it change you know Does it change the game? Um, I like I said I think the problem is the World Cup and FIFA has one foot in the future one foot in the past they have all this technology but they're they're afraid to go full force with it they're still holding on to these old traditional things it's compared to like baseball in the National League uh, still making the pitchers bat for so long or not embracing the, the DH and stuff like that and and things like that so until FIFA until soccer keeps one foot in the past, it's not going to happen. And I, what I would really love to see is I would love to see the clock start at 45 for Copa America uh, in the Olympics, in the Women's World Cup, in some of the sub-17 or sub-21 World Cups, Let, which is what like baseball and other areas do when they're testing stuff out. Test some of these new features in some of the smaller tournaments. Mm-hmm so that we're ready for them, you know, and if, and if you're going to go VAR and if you're going to go full VAR, then do like the NFL, do challenges. Uh, You know what I mean? Have, have something where every coach, if they feel something egregious happens, has the chance to say, no, I want you to look at that. Um, Because so many times they make a call and then the refs will just make it make it up with like a call that benefits the other team more. So it was already another sketchy call rather than just making the right call from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like like if you go by that logic as well, the first uh, Argentina penalty where they went up one nothing was really a nothing, a nothing penalty. And you saw that when there was a, a penalty for on the other side, he called it right away. So you would be right. It did seem like maybe that the first penalty that they gave France was kind of a makeup. Like it yeah, did. I it really because that, that penalty, it was a little more obvious, but it looked like the, almost the yeah. exact same penalty that happened. Again, it, it's constant, and I and I know this because I refed a little bit as well. In that, like they very clearly tell you when you're learning to be a ref, like. If you make a bad call for the other team, make it up with the other one. <laughs> and like, there's like those little t- like tips and tricks they give you throughout refing, and rather than just make the right call from the beginning. 
You have this great offsides technology. Now just clean up the offsides rule. I don't have any problem with the way offsides currently is. The ball is kicked. You need to be behind the other player. Advantage means that your upper body or your full lower body are ahead of the last defenseman. I think, yeah, I think you should. I think if you're going to play that advantage is like if any part of your body is still in line with the last defenseman, then that shouldn't be outside. I think you have to be like like a full body length or like your entire body needs to be ahead of them or something. Just come up just, with something. Just that, something cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll close it out. Close out World Cup talk with, you know, I can't really. I've, I've one. I don't understand offsides talk. I'm getting there. I'm finally starting to figure it out, and I love that. I love that image from yesterday of just the ass, everything, just everything <laughs> yeah, being like right ridiculous. on the line. That's a that's a classic image already. But uh, and I also can't really relate to you know all this heartache of being out in the early rounds as a you know proud USA fan. You uh, sit, than all of us sitting sitting on the literal balls of steel of Christian Pulisic going into uh through all this but as a dirty casual fan i gotta say i really enjoyed this i enjoyed soccer i think i'm going to actually find myself watching it more and you know following a lot of these players that i got to that i was introduced to in this uh tournament uh i'm glad that it's getting the hell away from qatar and we're not going to have to talk about it anymore and talk about them or give them the attention that they're trying to get. And I'm curious to see what the future is going to hold for all sides. And it's, and, and it's just been fun rooting for everybody. I've been rooting. I've found myself rooting hard for Mexico, trying to support you, Emily. I've been, I found <laughs> myself really rooting hard for Uruguay and rooting for you, Luis, and trying to get, trying to, you know, get everybody the happiness. Cause I knew we weren't going fucking anywhere. So <laughs> fuck it. So, uh, <laughs> are you going to get uh, DC United season tickets? I've, you know what? Listen, Luis, no, we are not doing that, babe. That's but, pricey. You know what? DC United <laughs> and we'll, we'll tag them and add them and, you know, shout them out because they should want to give me season tickets. Because Absolutely. every DC United game I've gone to, they have won, never lost, never it kills lost. Kills me, they, but they haven't. <laughs> do they? Where do they play? Do they play like at uh, an old RFK? Where do they play? No, they, they have a new. It's Audi Field. It's actually yeah. very, very nice. It's pretty mm -hmm. high tech. Um, we really enjoy it because um, since my family's military, we can park right on the military base mm -hmm. next to it, so we don't pay for parking. We walk there. It's the home of our um, XFL team, the DC Defenders. It is. They also do all the USA lacrosse games. All those major games are there, and they have, dude, it's like some of the best arepas I've ever had. It's like some true Venezuelans there that have their own restaurant around the area and food truck around the area, and they, they bring in all these local vendors, and it's like true, authentic, all kinds of Hispanic food. Cause, nice. Oh, my God. I dream of those arepas. So DC United, we've talked before. We've talked before about doing some content there at the, you know, at a game. Get us season tickets. Get your undefeated season. Get your yeah. undefeated seat. Maybe not undefeated. I probably won't go to every game. But every game. Yeah, I, Wayne I, Rooney. I, I, you convince me and get us, you know, enough arepas, and we'll go to enough to get you deep to, you know, get as many wins as you want. We'll go to yeah. as many games for that. I'll go to all of them. Get after. Yeah, it. but it's not you. It's me. I've been with you every time. Soccer team, I'm there. Yeah, I've been with you every time. 
I don't know. Maybe it's the two of us. Then. <laughs> well, you we'll know what? Landon, Landon Donovan has been fighting so hard for San Diego to get their own team for so many years. Oh, my years. God, dude. There was just nonstop over here. Yeah, they, he, they, they, he went nuts. He has been fighting so hard for San Diego to, to get a team. I have no doubts eventually you will. I don't know when, Absolutely. but eventually you when, will. Yeah. It makes too much sense. People here love soccer. Well, there's no easy segue to close out the show here, but we have Luis Martinez here. And we're also about to enter our winter break. We'll have, you know, the show isn't going to go too far off, but we'll be, you know, we'll be around for Rick's versus Greg's holiday special, some awards. And Emily and I are finally, I believe, at some point with the winter break here, going to dive into Andor. I really want to dive into Andor. I, yeah. I am very, I am, I am very excited to watch this show. I can't wait to watch it anymore. I'm, I'm tired of hearing all the hype. I'm going to dive in myself. But Luis here, Star Wars aficionado, he is. He can talk Star Wars. He can give you all the info, and you can hear if you go to uh, where, where were you doing the Andor uh, talk in Andor recap? Oh, um. I actually did. I actually guessed it on a podcast called What's the Scuttlebutt? Um, and they and, and uh, they're part of, I believe, something called the Red Five Network, which is a bunch of different podcasts that are all centered around Star Wars. And we basically I, I was there for like episode eight or nine breakdown. Um, so, the, yeah, I believe if you look up What's the Scuttlebutt, uh, you'll see one of the episodes that I'm tagged in. We talk about it on on our show once in a while, but it's you know I don't I don't I don't mine is not more, mine's more conversational and interview based, not niche. But I'm always down to, to talk Star Wars wherever, either on Fireside Chats or on the Hente Show. Uh, on the Hente Show, we talk a little bit Andor because of you know how it's it's basically an immigrant story at yeah. at, at, at its level as well. Well, I'm glad you're always down to talk Star Wars because we're going to close out the show here as we're about to jump into Andor. Let's go ahead, get our top fives here of top five Star Wars properties. This is movies, TV shows, anything that's canon thrown into this top five, especially before Emily and I watch Andor. Let's see where things rank, and then we will readjust later if Andor, which is being called the Better Call Saul of the Star Wars universe, really, really fits that uh, that elegance that I'm looking for when I hear Better Call Saul. So... Let's get that music going for the top five Star Wars properties. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the three, two, threes top five. Ah, oh, shit. Here we go again. Right, the three two threes top five Star Wars properties, movies, TV shows, anything canon, presented by Reed Murphy, myself, Emily Sissel, and Luis Martinez. I we are going to give you time to jump in. We're going to give you time to create your list. I will go ahead first and just rat a tat tat my list out, and you know any comments you have, jump on it. Number five for me. Number five. This might be a little controversial to some people. Obi Wan Kenobi, the series. I actually I didn't enjoy like the first I didn't enjoy too much the first couple of episodes. You but didn't enjoy most of it. Not most of it, but <laughs> I said the last two the last two episodes secured it secured a spot for me. I really the nostalgia got me. The nostalgia uh, the nostalgia hit is what locked me in for this. I really enjoyed. Uh, I just enjoyed seeing Anna, I enjoyed seeing Hayden Christensen back. 
and thriving in that role and the two of them going at it. That final battle, for whatever arguments can be made of the canon and uh, Obi-Wan and Vader interacting, having that melee battle to end the season was awesome. Again, could probably be hugely irritating to people who really, really diving into the uh, chronology 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 is chronological a, order well chronological order is way but there's this there is the word chronology i don't know no no i mean christian does not deserve the hate that he's got he does i love him in that role i and love that i love that he got a chance to to come back that meshing of his voice and james <laughs> earl jones voice too when vader's helmet was cracked was haunting it was brilliant i loved that so that gets its own spot. That gets it the spot there at number five. Number four for me, the Clone Wars, but it's the OG traditional animated one, the first Clone Wars series. This was like, they were like short form episodes back in like 2008. Yeah. It was right before, or maybe 2006, right before, before episode movie. three came out. And it was the introduction of like one of my favorites of General Grievous, who... I thought was much better on the show than in episode three. I love that. Clone Wars really got me extra hype for episode three, especially since I hadn't really watched anything prior to that, and it got me into catching up. Number three on my list. Number three is actually episode three, Revenge of the Sith. I love Revenge of the Sith. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing for me. I've got this first anything Star Wars I saw in theaters. I think for both of us, it'll be a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. It had the ep- that epic battle between Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin on Mustafar. I got the high ground. I got I have the high ground, Annie. No. I have the high ground. That is how... You my brother. I can't even tell you guys how many times I make that reference for geography <laughs> and like the kids just like look at me like are you kidding me and I'm like you idiots you plebes uncultured swine <laughs> and, and what do we call this we call this the high ground <sighs> number two for me Mando the Mandalorian I've thoroughly enjoyed both seasons. So of the show. Thoroughly enjoyed both seasons of the show. I love Grogu, but I love I love Mando as a character himself. I do too. I've been I've and he was the best part of the Boba Fett miniseries. It turned into the that Mando sh- show. <laughs> that show did not get any. It it was killing my attention. I was just holding out for a Mando appearance, and it did not disappoint. I can't wait for season three. I think it's been one of the best things to come out of Star Wars in recent years. Number one for me. And now I'm just now realizing that Rogue One did not make my list. I love Rogue One, but did not make my list here. Number one for me, The Force Awakens. Which is, again, I feel like this list is just like nostalgia fueled for me because Force Awakens, I love seeing, you know, so many of the classic characters return and the emotion of it. Plus, it was first appearances for characters like Rey and Finn, Kylo Ren, and I loved them in that iteration before everything started to expand out for their lives and their adventures. I liked seeing the rookie level for these characters. Carrie Fisher being a total badass in her last little bit of always. acting. Absolutely, always. And Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford getting looking like he actually was enjoying himself for a little bit <laughs> in a modern role. So that's my top five. Emily... Hit me with number five. Uh, number five for me is Return of the Jedi. What? 
dance. Well, Ewok dance at the end. That's that's literally one of the main reasons is I just love the Ewoks so much. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. I also loved like all the little animated like Ewok stuff they did after that. Ugh. I just love Ewoks. They're so cute. <laughs> uh, I will say just shaking heads from Luis. <laughs> why? <laughs> United. The Ewok, the, the Ewokification of Star Wars is not one of my favorite parts of it, but I do understand. I think it's funny because you guys are are naming some of these movies, but but I have different reasons for either liking them or not liking them. Well, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's you're why also we older wanted, than us, well, and, that, and and you're much. I think you're the much deeper fan, the much deeper Star Wars fan, which is why I wanted to get our list out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Go ahead, please, and potentially infuriate you. Yeah, Let's so please, this is the, because this is the first one. This is the first one. Because I'm gonna, because I'm gonna piss. I'm gonna piss everybody off and say that my honorable mention was Solo because I'm one of the few people that liked Solo. <laughs> um, look, Donald Glover as Lando, my favorite character. God, I love I, I I love Donald Glover, but I can't get any better than Billy D. Billy D. Basically, yeah. could have had a Colt 45 in, yeah. in the middle of the movies while flying the Millennium Falcon. All right, Falcon. Uh, number four for me is Rogue One. Happy Chinooka. Okay. Uh, I think Rogue One is just one of the best told. I Personally, I think it is the best told Star Wars film. I think it's just beautifully done, and they finally branched off from all of, you know, the classic original characters, which is what I want Star Wars to do more of. I think it's why I like Mando so much, uh, which brings me to number three, which is The Mandalorian. I have no idea what Chinooka is. Because uh, The Mandalorian is just, again, one of those really great, well-told stories. Um, and then number two for me is Star Wars, Clone Wars, the animated series. I'm guessing the... The newer yeah, one, the newer the, one. With the many, many series uh, seasons. And for me, that's definitely much more of like a personal... One, it tells and it branches out so many different stories. And I think it really branches off and tells... Like, it gives, like, Stormtroopers, like, actual personality and emotions, uh, which is really great. Um, And it expands the universe a whole bunch. But for me, when Star Wars Clone Wars, that show started coming out, um, that's what really started getting me back into, like, animation and watching animated stuff. Um, And... Because, you know, being a geek growing up and reading comics and all of that type of stuff through high school, I was just terribly teased and bullied like most of us were. Um, now those now kids don't get teased and bullied for that. Um, but this got me back into it, and I was just kind of like, fuck y'all. I'm going to watch Star Wars. Um, so I, you know, for me, it's got a lot of sentimental value on that. And again, expanding the universe. And number five, again, it's, or number one, sorry. Number one, it's going to create a whole lot of controversy. It's the Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) And again, for me, that's much more uh, like personal reasons behind that. And as a little kid, um, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't Luke Skywalker that necessarily I was growing up and starting with. It was little Annie. And, like, as a kid, I would, like, rewind the tape on the VCR, and I watched it until it died, and they had to buy an all-new tape for me. And I would sit there, and I'd put goggles, and I would would pretend like I'm also little Annie driving around (laughs) and racing everybody. Um, So, for me, lots and lots of personal reasons. 
Perfect. Yeah. All right. Luis, close us out. Any thoughts? Right. And we'll, if you have your top five ready, we can start right at number five and then just right. uh, shit on us from there. <laughs> All right. Well, my honorable mention would be... Um, what was uh, <clears throat> episode seven? That's... Um, Sorry, I'm Force Awakens. Yeah, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Mostly uh, from from just the fact that we were waiting so long for something post original trilogy, and I I liked how it mirrored a little bit of the first films, and um, and even though it's got it has its issues, I did I did enjoy the fact that they diversified the cast and, and and they did all these things. So that gets a that gets an honorable mention for me. But for me, number five is Solo. Oh. Yes! Vindication. Yes! Ah! <laughs> I love Solo. Look, anytime that you go from two directors to no director to a classic Hollywood director and you have Amelia Clark there. And a, a long time ago, my, my Instagram... Uh, handle was stepdaddy of dragons because I was a big fan. Of her. <laughs> I, was, I was a big fan of her in Game of Thrones. Uh, she was my number one crush for a while. So Donald Glover, Young Lando, sex with a robot. Ah, um, you so know, good. played by Phoebe uh, Waller Bridge, who I love. Ah, Look, I, it's so good. Uh, you know, I think that I think that it was probably. It was probably a, a tough choice not to not to make a sequel to that. I think that all the things were there. They were very close. I think I could have done a better job if I directed the film, obviously. But um, I don't hate it. And I don't know why it got a lot of hate, as much hate as it did. So many people put hate specifically on the actor playing Han Solo. And I was like, Yo, he's not Harrison Ford, but he's no. doing a fucking great job. And a hundred times out of a hundred, I'll prefer a new actor to if they would have for some reason de-aged Harrison Ford. De-aging, de-aging is not. I don't. I, I didn't like it when it was De Niro, in um, oh, in the Irishman. In, in the Irishman, I didn't. I don't. I don't like it. Just give another actor a job. And instead I don't of giving giving a computer a job. I don't think Harrison Ford would have done a better job. In playing that role and being that lead, because he said it, and that he he isn't the biggest fan of playing Han Solo. And I think Alden Henrik is the actor's name. I think he did a really good job of being able to capture that era of Han, like as he's still growing, and you know, not trying to do a full-on impersonation of Harrison Ford. It was look so good. Did, 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 did we need to know where the fuzzy dice came from? No. Did we need the Godfather scene where he's like, "Oh, you're solo. I'm gonna call you solo." We didn't need that scene. <laughs> um, but 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 do I love the fact that they do it? And was it visually exciting, action-wise, a very exciting film? I do think so. So so for me, that's number five. Did I need Donald Glover putting in this full childish Gambito swagger to play Lando? A hundred percent, I did. 100%. 100, 100, 100. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Number four for me is A New Hope. Classic. No uh, surprise. Yes. Uh, it does have the lamest lightsaber battle of all time. <laughs> where there's just... Like, yes. But it came out the year I was born. Um, Nostalgia-wise, the characters, the story, the depth of it, the size, the scope of the movie, 
Um, it's a very easy rewatch. It's 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 an incredible film. It's what launched the entire fandom. So for me, it has a half the place in the top five. Fair enough. Uh, for me, number three, Andor. Um, and we haven't seen it yet, I'm so. This hype. Yeah, and, and and I said it before. If the thing that's most important to you about Star Wars is lightsabers and aliens, it might not be for you. But if it's the story, if it's the human element, um, you know, uh, Diego Luna, the fact that it is a very uh, his story is very uh, Latin centric, the story of an immigrant. It is a human story that takes place in a Star Wars universe, and. I don't think everything has to be canon for this main story. I don't think every show yeah. needs Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker to show up. I don't need, yeah. we don't need everything. We can have these little self-contained stories. Um, and being as though, you know, this, this, this will come up in a couple of choices here, but being as what it is and what it leads up to and being the Better Call Saul, it, it is doing an incredible job. I'm sorry we're only getting two seasons of it, but I do think for me, it is number three well it's also like i need i need the star wars universe to keep expanding because i cannot just keep doing more darth vader and skywalkers <laughs> like you gotta move forward it's annoying a lot of people but um you'll be happy to hear this the andor hype uh for diego luna is putting a lot of hype on him potentially getting cast as mr fantastic reed richards yes. Uh, so absolutely, it's it's bringing a <laughs> lot of light to some really really great actors um, with some very major roles in the future. Number two for me is Empire Strikes Back. Um, I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Um, the conclusion of of the saga or the original saga, the trilogy. Um, you know, the gold medals at the end for participation, you know, Chewie didn't get a medal. What's up with that? Um, <laughs> all of those things, all of those things. Um, and I think it's probably also one of the first films I saw in theaters because the first one came out right when I was born. So it was probably one of the first movies that I really got to, got to enjoy like that and was a big part of my youth. So for nostalgia, uh, definitely gets a place at number two for me. And obviously, I'm not a huge fan of of, of the of the Ewok movie um, <laughs> because I because I think it's like you know yeah, uh, okay yeah they need a, they need to sell toys so I get it and that's one of the reasons people don't necessarily Andor doesn't get a lot of love because there's not a lot of merchandise from Andor you know from the Mandalorian from Boba Fett you got starships and stuff like that Andor's a much more human story uh, there's no random ass aliens walking in the background although I'm sure George Lucas will add some at some point. Mm -hmm. Num number one is obviously going to be the uh, Star Wars Holiday Special, right? Star Wars Holiday Special, number one. Uh, no, number one is in its name, and that is Rogue One. Yep. Uh, I've said this, and this used to be this used to be a hotter take than it is now. But nostalgia aside, it is by far to me the best Star Wars property. Um, it is the the best shot, the most action, the most compelling characters. It is self-contained. I've long said that the most interesting part of the Star Wars universe and the chronology is the time between episode three and episode four. Um, if we're looking at it as a whole, from the moment that he becomes Darth Vader, so he's laying there legless and burnt, till we see the events of episode four, A New Hope Start, 
between three and four, I think is the most important part, the most interesting part of the saga for me. And the fact that Rogue One takes place there, the fact that Andor takes place there, um, I've always been fascinated by the rise of, of, of Vader in that time and what's he doing? You know, how's his rise to power coming? How does he adjust to the suit? All that stuff. So for me, um, you know, the robots are cool. Uh, Diego Luna is a, is, is a mercenary and, and getting to see his backstory as Andor is another reason that Andor has a lot of weight to it because if you're familiar with the character from Rogue One, it definitely adds a lot of depth to it. The fact that it is not a happy-go-lucky ending, the fact that it is a complete story, the fact that they created it out of this line where it's like these brave group of, of rebels got us these plans and the final shot of them embracing with the tidal wave and just all of that is self-contained. It could be outside of the Star Wars universe and it is still probably one of my favorite I mean I love a lot of movies so it's not an insult to say it's like one of my top 100 movies because I like so many movies so for me Rogue One by far the best Star Wars property he had a lot of similarities to me and reasons behind it so I feel more confident in my personal Star Wars taste you're feeling good yeah. you're feeling really good yeah and I right in the flow. And right there in the middle of it, it just in perfect timing, the Commandalorian himself just appears. <laughs> Zahir Ali just running it, running in there. Running in there. Zoo, I'll give you the chance here before we close out. Since you're here, because we're gonna be we're gonna be ending it here. Would you rather do your top five Star Wars properties real quick? Top five Star Wars properties, movies and TV shows, or a Commandalorian report? Uh, I'm still too pissed off about yesterday, so we'll skip to Commandalorian report. Uh, <laughs> fuck the zebras, and we'll move on. Hey, Jets fans can agree. Fuck the Giants. You know, that's right. Zoo, as we close out, did anybody die while we're recording? Not that I know of. Okay, good. We'll ask you every show. Bet I couldn't miss out on Star Wars talk. Give me your uh, top five real quick before we get out of here. Number five, Zuhair Ali. Season two of Star Wars Rebels. Oh, he went by season two. Oh, Damn. I like it. Damn. Okay. <laughs> He's getting specific. Specific. Specifics. Number four. The last four episodes of Clone Wars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why the last four? No, they're brilliant. They, they're brilliant. They're oh, brilliant. Jesus. Yeah, okay. they're yeah. really brilliant. <laughs> they're brilliant. It's a movie. The last four episodes are a movie of its own. There's a reason why Clone Wars was up there for me. Okay. All right. Number like, three. I tell people that if they don't want to start from the beginning, watch those four episodes, and it'll convince you to start from the beginning. Maybe Accurate. I'll do it. Maybe Accurate. I'll try that. I'll give them a try. Yeah. Number three, Zoo. Empire Strikes Back. Somebody lost their voice at the FedEx Field last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing good, but I'm ready to talk Star Wars. I like this character. I like this. I like sexy, sexy voice Zoo, sexy raspy voice Zoo. The the me Zoo. <laughs> Number two, Zahir Ali. Revenge of the Sith. And number one, Rogue One. Hey. Okay. 
I think I can officially. I now that I've had some thought, and I I would like I will ask the permission of the group here. I would like to change my top five and knock Obi Wan Kenobi out of the top five. Yeah. And place Rogue One at number five. Yes, you should. Wise call. Yeah, I don't know what the rest of your list was, but wise call. He hated almost the entire show, and he put it at number five just for that one fight scene. Just for the ending that fucked the cannon, yes. <laughs> you must be lacking on content then, sir. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Well, I gave you some very specifics to watch just now. I'm surprised Star Wars uh, Visions didn't make it for you. Visions didn't, but uh, Tales of the Jedi would have been a number six. Yeah. Are you all excited? You ba- Bad Batch or no? I love Bad Batch. Bad Batch is cool. It's in top 10. I couldn't quite put it at top five. Uh, But Visions, the ninth Jedi, specifically that episode, that episode alone needs its own series based off of it. Visions is so cool. Are you all excited for the uh, upcoming series, The Acolyte? It's supposed to be set about 100 years before Phantom Menace. We'll see what they do. Time frame to explore. Yep, Star we'll Wars content do. is Star Wars content. You know, the, the books that I've been reading, and you know, it takes me two years to finish one book has been pretty interesting so far. So it's a, it's a fascinating time frame, especially because Yoda's still around in it. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I Like, I'll watch it, and then I'll decide from there because, you know, who knows what they're going to do with it. That collective response gave big Scott Elia energy. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been a great show. Zoo, I wish we could have had you on longer, but what were you on? Promote what you were on so we can uh, check it out and hear more of that uh, raspy wake up, <laughs> wake me up baby voice. So we were on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, Sarah Day and I started a game called Fantasy Heroes. It is basically fantasy football, but with MCU characters. So at the beginning of the year, you get a league together, you draft um characters depending on who you think is going to have an appearance most throughout the year and you get points based on when they show up in a movie or title when they get mentioned if it's a cameo you lose points if they get hurt or lose their powers and now the game has gotten so popular we have 600 participants already registered for next year so we're getting all the rules out and leagues together and uh yeah it's is big i'm trying to get my i'm trying i gotta make arguments to get my points for uh santa claus so we'll see if that ever no. If that okay, well, all right, well then, fuck off, Emily Cecil. Thanks for being here. I want to win Meanwhile. this year, and I hope I did. <laughs> Zoo, are they updated? Uh, they're still working on. That's why I got <sighs> off because they're doing they're like putting the points together live, and I'm like, I had another show to be on. <laughs> they're just updating my win. It's okay. No, they're not. Zahir Ali, the Animation Deliberation Podcast. You can check him out there too. Thank you for joining in last second. It's been great to see and hear that voice. And of course, Luis Martinez. It is great to see you. Great to have you here. You can check him out on Mihente's show, Fireside Chats with Big Chief Burrito. And twoamburrito.com for all two, your two amburrito needs. That's right. Get all those needs. Good to have you here, buddy. Thank you for jumping in. A pleasure, as always. Uh, great to hang out with you guys, talk soccer or football, and I uh, hope we can do it again for many other topics. And I and I'm putting together um, an episode for Fireside Chats where I'm going to probably have a panel of different podcasters and stuff. So I want you guys, I want you guys on there. Hey, as well. we're there. We got the Let's panel right there. City. <laughs> for the three two three, I am Reed Murphy. Oh, hey, there's me. I got two multiple angles. How meta. Oh, we love it. Stay safe, everyone. We will talk to you soon. Take us out, Lionel Richie. All right, baby. Take care.